You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes. I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Today, I'm joined by Deepsi Pavasetti, Marietta Wasiluska, Danny Crook and Sophie Hortanen to discuss recruiting in the current Swedish market. Before we get into the topic in a bit more detail, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So Deepti, would you like to kick us off? Yes, um, I'm Deepti, Head of Global Talent Acquisition at Truecaller. Um, at Truecaller, I've been passed for three years in this company, built a global talent acquisition team from scratch. Uh, along with my team, we basically hired 100 employees last year and already hired 100 this year as well, uh, with high focus in tech. And I'm an Indian. Uh, I live with my husband and son here in Stockholm. Nice. Thank you. Marietta, would you like to introduce yourself next? Yes. So hello, everyone. My name is Marietta. I've been uh, a sourcer and a recruiter in the working group two for the last uh, almost two years. Um, we're actually moving telecom into the 21st century where it deserves to be. Uh, we build cloud native mobile core networks, which means that we make networks scalable, programmable and global. At the same time, we build a product ecosystem uh, to make mobile subscriptions um, radically more relevant. Uh, privately, I've been living in Stockholm for the last four years. Um, I have two kids here and uh, this became my home. Nice, lovely. Danny, you next. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. Really appreciate it. Um, so my name's Danny. I am a talent acquisition manager here at Cognity based in Stockholm. Uh, we are an educational technology company and we build a teaching and learning platform with interactive textbooks for schools all over the world. So a true impact company. Um, I've been working in recruitment for about 12 years. Um, the last seven years have been here in Stockholm. I am originally from London um, and that's, that's pretty much everything interesting I can think of right now. And you wear odd socks every day? I wear odd socks most days. That is <laughs> very true. Yeah. Nice. And last but not least, Sophie. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Um, and also, thank you for you know letting me be here. It's very um, I'm very happy to be here, to, just to say that. Uh, but anyhow, my name is Sophie. I am a talent acquisition partner here at Matem, uh, mainly for tech. So that's uh, that's why I'm part of this forum. Um, been here for a bit over a year. Uh, and from before that, I also been working within tech recruitment at, at Settled by PayPal, just for to name one of the places. Um, and Matem is basically like we are, we aim to build and lead the future of online grocery shopping um, and are currently having the 52% of the of the Swedish market and is of course you know uh, growing and uh, are currently the leader of the of our domain so that's pretty cool um, and uh, just to give some personal context of myself I am actually not living in Stockholm as everybody else I'm actually living in Vesteros, which is like an hour from Stockholm, together with my uh, my boyfriend and my lovely cat. So I will probably mention him a few times because he's a COVID cat and he's amazing. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, me in just a few sentences. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone. So now that we've got a context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. 
you've all provided a question on recruiting in the current Swedish market. And as usual, we'll work our way around the room when you can ask each of you questions and give your thoughts as well. So Danny, you are up first and you asked, how have you changed your approach over the past two years? So tell us a bit more about your question and your thoughts. Sure. So I think it's no no surprise to anyone that the uh, the hiring landscape globally, and of course here in Sweden as well, has changed quite dramatically over the past two years. I think it's also fair to say that the um, the things candidates care about has also changed quite dramatically, and that's impact the way companies have kind of built their hiring strategies in terms of their their candidate offerings, their interview processes, and and general sort of benefits and culture. So. I love to kind of open it up. It's quite a vague, broad question on purpose. And uh, yeah, I'd love to hear your, your thoughts. Sure. Anyone uh, hopping at any time, you can go for it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I can, of course, I can start, you know, but you know, like the, I would say that the approach has been um, quite different. I mean, like now, just looking back two years, we had COVID, for instance. Um, and at that point, it was a lot about, you know, like trying to, for me, myself at least, it was a lot about, you know, trying to assure people, you know, that the company that I was recruiting for was quite stable because at that point, you know, like that was, a, of course, a global hit and people were quite like, you know, nervous about that. So that was like, you know, one approach that you definitely had to adjust. Um, today, I would say that we are like for at for our side at least, a lot back to that, you know, like talking to, to a lot of people with about like the global market and that it's a lot like it's unstable and we're having a lot of different like tech companies that are having like huge layoffs and so on. Uh, so I would definitely say my approach from starting with recruitment and, you know, like for the past years has been a lot about, you know, like just actually talking to candidates about, you know, like stability and, and insurances and safety uh, a lot more than, than it's been from before. Uh, so I would say that that is one of my takes uh, with, with COVID and also like other global, um, uh, global like takes uh, for, you know, yeah, with everything. So I would definitely say that that is one of the parts. Uh, what are you guys saying? Um. I can go next. I think, um, yes, I completely agree with what Sophie said, but also I think we also understand in the tech, in the tech market that there's a quite a high demand, of low supply. Uh, it could be of any market. Um, and especially Sweden market is basically even more high in demand and, you know, crying for the uh, tech talent, I would say. So uh, in my opinion, I think this is something that I have been telling my uh I mean, the in interviewers and also the managers and the stakeholders in the company that, you know, focusing on potential over skill is a crucial part because, uh, you know, the potential can bring innovation, passion, adaptability, a lot more um, rather than sitting and finding for someone who is a, checks all the boxes, rather look for someone that who has a great potential. So, um, so this is quite important and that I think um, uh, to be successful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think uh, for us as a growing startup, for example, uh, there are two factors. There are two factors that have played a, quite a big role in how our approach has changed. Um, so first of all, that our team has grown. So basically, throughout the five years, we've grown from five engineers to 80 people. Uh, that's one thing. And now we're a little bit more aware about missing competences. Uh, so. Before, for example, we were able to go out and 
attract different kinds of people and different kinds of competences. At the moment, we're focusing more about what is actually missing in terms of the uh, skills so we can advance as a business as well. Uh, but I think COVID also has taught us that that flexibility should actually stay in the company and become a part of our culture. I think many companies are trying to bring hybrid uh, to the workplace or, for example, having that requirement that you have to be two or three days in the office. And I think uh, by talking to our candidates, we learned that just giving an option of different uh, um, modes of work um, is already a, a bigger, gives us a bigger chance to actually uh, hire more people. So I think basically flexibility, uh, yeah, I guess flexibility has uh, has stayed with us. Yeah, it's some, some super interesting points. appreciate you sharing that. I was sort of throwing... Um, some things that we've done here at Cognity changed over the past two years to adapt uh, to the different candidate market. We basically, the biggest thing we did was switch to offering remote working from anywhere in Sweden. So we went from standard, you know, Monday to Friday in the office kind of approach that everyone else was doing to to quite quickly say you can work from anywhere in Sweden. This, this, um, well, this really helped us. I honestly think it gave us a massive competitive advantage we will also bring and we still do we offer stockholm salaries regardless of where someone is based in sweden so we can leverage sometimes the lower cost of living cities where there isn't as much competition but there's still great universities and, and some some sort of targeted pools of talent um mm. it's been a game changer in, in terms of uh, being able to to get those people and we've been more more visible uh, more vocal about uh flexible hours i've been giving mm -hmm. examples we had our, our ceo write a uh, flexibility pledge on our career site saying you know it, it's okay it's okay to go you know pick your kids up it's okay to go to the gym in the middle of the day and i think that means a lot the sort of showing that, that visibility from from senior management um in being more results focused and not hours focused a lot of the stuff is, is very obvious but there are still companies out there that require people even in today's day and age to, to be in front of their screen between sort of nine and five so yeah just being visible around around flexibility yeah and can i just say you know like just talking about as we talked about like you know the, re the remote work and as you say like flexible hours and so on i just think that it's very important to um to actually like ask your employees about like how would you like to work like what is what's your view on the setup that we're having? Because um, like, I think that like we've seen some of the management, like, you know, in, in other companies that just have, you know, like actually just made a decision without really asking the employees. And I do think that that is like the most, like, you know, I think that that is a very important part because you have to like everything that you're doing is for your employees, basically. So, I mean, like just to, to give an example, like we did that before the before the pandemic, we didn't really have a policy. And then during during COVID, of course, we were all working from home, obviously. And then, you know, when it kind of planned out, um, people were starting to come back and we just saw, you know, like some departments that had empty desks for a week, you know, over weeks. And then we had some departments that were crowded. So we kind of like had to figure out like, how should we do this? Because the, the approach was so different. Um, so we basically decided to send out three different surveys uh, that, basically ask the employees like you know how would you like to do it um and 
in in our way, we made the conclusion to have this like hybrid remote uh, where we are uh, just benchmarking towards the 50-50, but then of course it's individually based, but just to have some sort of like, you know, um, uh, policy and then some teams are here uh, more often, some here, some teams are here more or less, you know, depending on what suits your uh, like your life pattern basically. And then always having these like flexible hours because as you say, it should be okay to, you know, pick up your kids or, you know, going on a long walk with your dog or, you know, anything. Uh, but I think it's just, you know, really important to have the employees as your focus. And I just want to uh, point that out. Cool. Nice. Has anyone got any other final thoughts? No? Okay, Deetie, we'll move on to your question next then. And you yes. asked, how do you balance diversity and inclusion in tech hiring? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yes, uh, I brought this up because, you know, we all want to diversify and that's quite important in this uh, new era, right? So, uh, but then uh, when we are talking about Swedish market, it's the new uh, the regulations or, you know, the laws that have come from migrations work it is even more challenging, right? So it's So it's hard to recruit people from across the globe. So I think it's more like um, I'm trying to understand then, you know, in this sort of considering these sort of challenges, how do you guys uh, include diversity and inclusion in tech hiring? Does anyone okay. want to kick us off? Go on, Danny. Okay, let's kick this off. I think this is a really big topic and I think it deserves to be. I think there's so much that can be said around it. I think, first of all, that we need to define what diversity means to us as a company because it, it comes in many, many, uh, many forms, basically. What do we mean? One key thing that I found over the years, and I'm very guilty of this, is that sometimes the diversity agenda is only pushed by TA or HR. And it would appear sometimes they are the only ones who care. And they are pushing this agenda against or towards hiring managers and hiring teams who are not, so we say, incentivized, right? Who are not necessarily on board. So I think that we really need to take the time to get them on board. I think a really good thing, if you can possibly do it, is to get buy-in from senior management. You know, sort of outline the benefits of diversity way beyond sending them articles around these are this is you know shows you that how much more effective diverse teams are but really outline the benefits talking about things like diversity debt you know i think it's a really interesting topic if we don't fix it now in three years when we have you know 30 engineers who are all guys we're going to have a, a real big problem this isn't a problem we can push to the future and think that it will be just as easy to solve then so I, I think that that's a, that, that's a real a real thing. Um, I think you can showcase diverse companies as well and diverse teams. I think that that's that, that's really good. I think it's on us as as recruiters to also present hiring managers and, and interviewers with with diverse candidates. You know, and sort of challenge them, but also be prepared to make trade-offs. And that's one thing that we we were prepared to do here at Cognity, saying, okay, the next whatever four or five engineers we hire must be female. That's kind of an an oversimplification. But in order to achieve that, are you prepared for us to hire fewer people or for it to take longer for us to hire these people? And that will mean that our product roadmap will be pushed back three months. Is that a, a, a trade-off you are prepared to make? And I know that these are big questions to be throwing around, but I think if you can get to a situation where you get agreement from senior management on those areas, it might makes life a lot easier than the recruiter just sourcing people from diverse backgrounds because they think it's a good idea. Mm. So that was kind of a longer answer to a, a short question. I, I think it's a super passionate topic. 
I'm very passionate about this topic, as I'm sure you can tell. But it would be good good to hear some some other opinions on on things, like challenges and, and things. Yeah, I can go next. Um, so I think it is such a great question because, as Danny mentioned, diversity is so many things. It is not only about different nationalities. It's not only about um, different backgrounds, but it's basically bringing people who believe in very similar values as our company. So I think it is all about creating a workplace, creating the culture where everyone can bring their own selves. So regardless how you identify, regardless where you come from, regardless what's your background, those are the binding values that are very similar for all of us. So for instance, in our company, we're 80 people and we have 25 different nationalities. Hmm. And because we do something so specific, we have to go for talent globally. And I think, of course, we have missing competences and missing technical uh, specialists here in Sweden. So for instance, estimated for 2024 is that we're going to be missing 70,000 uh, IT and telecom specialists. Um, but there are solutions for that to actually hire globally as well uh, in terms of different uh, PEOs and uh, stuff like that. But everything brings down to creating the culture where everyone feels welcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and I can go next. Uh, I can I mean, like I can just first of all, of course, totally agree with 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 both of you. You know, like as you say, uh, like what is diversity? You know, and just like how to define that. Um, I would say from from my perspective, I would say that that has actually been, or like from our perspective, uh, that has also first and foremost been about you know like how do we how do we also work with like first the inclusion part because like um, just looking at at Martam as a company, you know, like that is a Swedish company from the start um, and has been around since two thousand and six. So it's like you know been been here for quite a while and you know like even though we've had uh, a lot of different people here like you know, a lot of different cultures I do know like back in uh, just a few years back, we had like around 40 different nationalities in, in the company, even though like, you know, everything was still, you know, just in Swedish. So that was also like, how do we include people that are coming from from other parts of, of the world? Um, now, uh, since around, I think it's around now starting to be two years back, uh, we changed our like uh, company language from, from, from Swedish to English just to, you know, to work with the inclusion a lot more because it's very hard to work with diversity if people aren't you know communicating and can't really communicate in the best way and have the have the best uh, tools to do that so that has been like one of our first aims to do that in order to transform um so and then after that we have been also working with like a a very clear like sustainability report where like the social sustainability is one of those parts and working with with the diversity and and the inclusion, and uh, there we stated quite quite like obviously, you know, that we are having uh, very like we have challenges, you know, like when it comes to just diversity, when it comes to 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 genders, for instance, you know, we had uh, we had a um, you know TAHR side where we had like you know a lot of females and not too many males, uh, but then we also had a tech side that was the complete opposite. So we we had those percentages and just. You know, you know, really working with those and just having like very 
very clear goals on where we want to be in the upcoming years. And as you said, Danny, there, I mean, like then we have had the support from the upper management because they have been, you know, the parts, like really big parts of this, like, you know, sustainability report. So I do believe that, you know, like in uh, from our side, that has been, you know, I see the very complex in like, you know, where do we start and how do we do this in the best way? Uh, but for our side, it's been a lot about, you know, like first inclusion, you know, like how do we include the people that is already here? Um, and then also like, how do we develop the departments that we have, you know, like when over like the upcoming um, years? So um, I would say that has been some of our um, challenges as a company. Uh, but I do also love the fact that we have uh, like the whole management with us now when we are when we are working towards, you know, like balancing it out and also being very mindful about, you know, as you said, Marietta, you know, bringing people in that have, you know, the same core values, but then coming from different perspectives. I completely um, agree with all of you. I think you have great points and um, thanks for answering my question on that, you know, but I think uh, it's quite important, like I agree with Danny, that it has to come from the, you know, the top. Basically, what is uh, what is our objective behind, you know, when we say diversity, right? But at the same time, um, I think uh, we, we, we tried way different things. Diversity is just not gender. It's much more broader than that. So, um, uh, for example, we, uh, we were successful in hiring more than 50 hires. 50% 50 of our hires last year have been uh, women. So, you know, we, we, because that is something that is coming from the beginning, uh, from the sourcing strategy, from the uh, recruitment strategy to the end, right? So, uh, so I think this is something the goal has to be very clearly defined and it has to be communicated to the gatekeepers. I would say we talent acquisition partners are so much, uh, you know, act as a person bringing into the company, right? So I think from the beginning, uh, uh, this has to be very clear, but uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think some some super interesting points there. And I feel like it's unfair that it sometimes falls solely on the TA or HR. Yeah. It's like, hey, you know, as if it isn't difficult enough, we want someone with seven years of this and they have to work with technology and these types of uh, environment. And by the way, it would be great if they were, they were you know, of the sort of uh, protected characteristics as well, just to add more complexity. It's like, I think I heard someone say diversity isn't, isn't something we do, it's something we are. Like we are yes. a diverse place, we are inclusive. Why would a person from a certain demographic want to join this team? Because look mm -hmm. at the team, let's be honest here. So I think so this is a really important point around how do we make it inclusive in the first place? I totally agree. Okay. Yeah. I totally agree. It's also um, so recently we've had those discussions with our tech leads and the engineering managers about the diversity and who they want to bring on board, actually. And one of the key things that they were missing was actually bringing more women into the teams and to me being aware that we want to be more diverse in terms of gender, for example, uh, this is a big thing that it comes from actually our engineering teams. It doesn't come from the top. Um, so I think that was a very interesting uh, insight for us. Any other final thoughts? No, lovely. Well, Sophie, we'll move on to your question next. And you asked, what are the current trends you see within TA at the moment? And are there any specific ones for tech? So tell us a bit more about your question. 
Yeah, but I just thought about, you know, like talent acquisition, I would say, uh, and tech, of course, is, you know, like it's an ever-changing landscape, right? So, um, and I would say that, like, for, for myself, like the tech, like the, the view on talent acquisition uh, has been changing a bit over the years, you know, like, and also, like, you know, how do you... Um, like and how do you, how do you work with it? Like both from a business perspective, but also you know from like an operational perspective as well. Uh, so I just thought it could be interesting to hear to hear your insights, you know, and what is your you know what's your thoughts around uh, TA and how it's been evolving. Uh, yeah, um, I can go first. It's a wonderful question for me, and I think um, I, I I always uh, think or you know uh, or the way it is talent acquisition is playing plays an important role in every business right so i don't think it is just an recruitment it ends only with recruitment no recruitment is a subset of talent acquisition for example uh, uh, you know a tight collaboration with the business uh, market analysis and tight collaboration with employees you know uh, all go hand in hand it include i think workforce planning strategy market analysis branding and metrics also is part of talent acquisition just not recruiting right so i think this is something that uh, uh, i would say that uh, you know the changing trend or you know the current trend is that you know talent acquisition is much more than just recruitment yeah i would uh, I definitely agree i've been in recruitment for longer than I, I care to admit although i think i did admit it before but i'd say over the years there's been a lot more focus i feel now people within the talent acquisition space they need to be more multi-skilled because i feel like when i began my career okay i'll say 12 years ago it was it was very heavily focused on sourcing and finding the best candidates and then they just kind of got hired but i feel like these days you really have to have an eye and a consideration for diversity you need to be skilled at not just attracting but also assessing candidates there's a big part of things like change management now as companies many comp most companies are reducing their hiring mm -hmm. right so now ta if they're not let go from these companies they are moved onto different projects if they're sort of hr um, shall we say HR transformation projects, it can be like changing HR systems, changing ATS systems, working on uh, career levels, you know, performance management tools. I think that now we need to be more generalists um, than, than we used to be sort of 10, 10 12 years ago. It's been my, my take. I would like yeah. to add to what uh, Danny said, uh, basically that, yeah, I think Initially, when I started my career into recruitment, it was more like sourcing and then passing over the candidates' profiles to the managers and they get to review, meet and decide. And also the sourcing was more based on the uh, the keywords, right? And now things have changed. Uh, now we understand the business need. We understand where they require, why, why do they need the resource and what is the impact, right? So I think it's it's quite competitive and also it's quite interesting to understand why they need and also we assess all these things as talent at least at true caller all the talent acquisition partners uh, take a detailed call with the candidates and understand their requirements and um, and you know uh, the candidate in even in the tech perspective even in terms of culture fit or could be all the aspects right so it's beyond uh, just sourcing and just interviewing i would say yeah i also agree with that that now as talent acquisition team we have to wear quite a few hats. Uh, so for instance, as um, I specialize in sourcing, I have to kind of have that psychological perspective as well on what people actually want. I have to anticipate their needs, right? And then I have to have my marketing hat on to actually 
approach them in a right way. And I have to have the people skills to actually push them through the whole process of recruitment, finding the best interviews, interviewers from our company. Um, so definitely it has become a more general role and more specialized as well. Um, and there are different, uh, different opportunities as well in talent acquisition, I, th uh, I think. I don't, uh, Danny probably has a little bit more insights into it. Uh, as I'm quite new to the industry, but I think, for instance, um, HR business partner hasn't been uh, that active as a position 12 years ago. Uh, so definitely we're actually showing off that this is an important thing, what we do, and we're actually helping to fill the business needs as well. Cool. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, thank you for, for, that was really cool. Like, I, it's just super nice to just hear. And as we said, I mean, like, for, for people that have been in the industry even, like, you know, longer than I have, you know, it's just really cool to get those types of insights as well. So even though you are a, some sort of dinosaur in the, in the industry, Danny, I mean, like, it's really nice to hear. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, but I mean, like, because, like, even though, um, because one, the question like or like where the question came from was just you know like because sometimes I can see you know uh, other people on you know LinkedIn for instance since we are you know uh, huge like users of, of that platform I can guess you know that uh, you see people that are you know talent acquisition partners or talent acquisition specialists or you know like you know all of these uh, different titles um, and then when you're actually talking with them you're like hey what are you doing on a daily basis you know like then you're kind of like figuring out that the, what they're doing is like recruitment you know so then it's like okay cool but like you know why why aren't you then a recruiter uh and then like you know do you, like what does talent acquisition actually mean for you you know um so i just thought that that could be you know interesting to talk about because like from my from my side you know like talent acquisition is just as you say working with like the talent over like talent attraction um and like talent retention and you know everything that comes with that you know like as you say and like all of the different metrics and uh the compliance parts you know like and and everything you know that comes into uh to that broad spectrum you know so as you said, Dufty, you know, like recruitment is a part of that. Of course, you know, like otherwise we wouldn't have employees to work with, you know, but like, you know, how do we bring them in? And, you know, like what is the best ways and 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 all of that? That for me is is talent acquisition. So uh, actually like making, you know, uh, making the difference between that, you know, like making difference between like a talent acquisition, acquisition specialist or, you know, partner or whatever, you know, and, and a recruiter. Um, because I would say that sometimes, uh, like from my side, I've had a lot of stakeholders, you know, like not really understanding, uh, like, what do I do? <laughs> so, you know, like, can, can't you take on, like, you know, even more headcounts? And I have to, you know, kind of explain to them, you know, like, I'm working on the onboarding, I'm working with the relocation parts, so we're working with the, like, the exit processes and, and so on and so on. And then they kind of understand, you know, like that taking on even more headcounts will be a problem because that will also, you know, affect the quality. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's really cool to hear your, uh, your thoughts around it. Nice. Has anyone else got any other final thoughts? Lovely. Well, Marietta, we'll move on to your question next. And you asked, what is your secret sauce to successful hiring in Sweden? So tell us a bit more about your question. Yes. So it actually came from, uh, from wonderings about how you attract talent and how you make them stay. Because um, a lot of tech companies um, have very similar benefits. 
uh, and there has to be something specific that uh, make people attracted in your companies and make them want to stay in the companies as we know that retention is so important and those are the people that we have to really take care of um so what is the secret sauce in uh, in your hiring um yeah that's a wonderful question again right when you emphasized on um uh, retention as well uh, you know see i think it's important to understand what candidate wants or what motivates the candidate what is the reason the candidate wants to move from where he he or she is today so that's I think that is very important that uh, we we talent acquisition partners understand that in the first uh, you know conversation, and pitching on the motivation um, on their pitching on the right thing. Is it a product? Is it a salary? Or is it a tech? Or what is it? What is that actually driving you? So uh, and then pitching on the right ones uh, leads to the candidate conversion along with continued candidate engagement basically which makes uh, a candidate more inclined to stay in the process for longer time because we are basically in providing what we what the candidate is looking for so it's a simple question what motivates you or what are you what do you want yeah and this is what i have right and uh, of course a strong recruitment process uh, which also means quick recruitment process uh, and uh, uh, sharing realistic expectations of the job or what is expected from the candidate from the beginning is very, very important as well. Again, that leads to a retention later, I would say. So I think uh, these are some things that I actually, uh, me and my team uh, uh, have actually identified and keep following continuously to give more on pitch on more something that can motivates the candidate. Yeah, I think these are really valuable points as before. Um, we're just thinking about other things. I um, because I'm coming from an outsider. I'm obviously not not from Sweden, but have been recruiting here for seven years. So I guess having that contrast from my perspective, I feel like in Sweden, people seem to value stability a lot more. And we talk about work life balance, but I, I think that it, it's important. It's really, really important for things. And I don't think that a job is as entwined with someone's identity as it is in, in some other cultures, shall we say. Massive generalization, but I found it to be true when kind of crafting out candidate personas for employer branding and just, just hiring in general. So I think if you can understand that someone changing jobs is a risk for them as well as the employer and do everything you possibly can to reduce that risk. And I think a really key way is being as transparent as possible. Even now, it, it, even more so these days, candidates really ask about the profitability of your company. Can I have a look at your financial report? Like if you can share anything like that, I think it's awesome. Um, you know, allowing them to meet the team, because I think a big part of why people change jobs and stay in jobs is the people they will work alongside. You know, so um, that also means that referrals are a very big thing I found in Sweden. Like take the time to, to, to put a lot of effort into referrals as a channel. And I don't just mean talking about referrals and saying, hey, you know, here's 10,000 krona we offer you if you if we hire a referral, but sit down with people, build relationships one on one, be a bit more proactive, show them their network and ask them why certain people may or may not be a fit for these roles. I think that that's yielded some some really big results. So yeah, referrals are a, a big thing, I would say. Cool. Um, I would say, I mean, like it's always, I mean, like it's always a challenge to to source uh, candidates, and I would say, you know, for our side, uh, we are not really drowning in applications uh, as as anybody, I would guess. 
Uh, but you know, so sourcing has always been a, a major part of, of the work. And uh, so just from, I think, I mean, like, just looking at you, Marietta, since you're working a lot with this, with the sourcing parts, maybe even more uh, than I do on, on like a daily basis. You know, I would say, you know, just to to continue with that has been uh, a success factor. I would say, you know, like to never leave it because you know that is still the bread and the butter. You know, like to always be very close to to the market and what is happening, and you know, like always, you know, try to have that kind of contact with with different candidates. So you know, like even though it might be might not be the time today you know like it might be the time in in a like you know the next quarter or you know within six months or anytime because like timing is everything so i would say for our side is that has been uh, one of the success factors when we have been recruiting because a lot of the people that we have recruited we have been in contact with for a long period of time uh so that has been one thing and then you know as you say uh like you know when you are actually bringing in people that is interested in hearing more uh, as as Defty said, you know, like having a very strong uh, recruitment process. Um, here, I would say we have been working very close with their, or like are still working very close, and will continue to do that with the stakeholders. You know, like in like you know before actually starting a process. You know, like really creating all of the content that we need. You know, and having a very like clear process on like how do we do this, how do we feedback, um, you know, and how do we make decisions together. Um, so uh, we're having just just to give you some insights you know like we're having decision meetings you know with all of the people that have been part of the process you know just to have a also you know a collective decision you know in order to when we were bringing somebody in that we we're very clear on like you know why we're doing that and everybody's feeling excited uh because then we also feel that you know like the onboardings have also been better because everybody feels you know that there is their responsibility you to not really onboard that because you've said yes to to hiring the person so that has been one of the things you know also when talking about also retention and you know like having having a great onboarding in that side um, but then I would also say you know like uh, we have also been very close or like been very uh, been working very heavily with like the core values um, of, of the company and we've also say, seen that as a success factor you know like because as Danny said you know like it's been a lot about um, stability and, and all of that and I would definitely say that like Motem is one of those companies that is like it's family founded, you know, and like those kind of core values are still very much here with us still, you know. So also, you know, really like, you know, pointing that out during the recruitment processes and also really making the candidates feel that that is what we're doing and, you know, like why we're doing what we're doing. And, you know, that also making them feel inspired by that, you know, uh, so. I would say for us, it's been the, the huge like the biggest part has been around, you know, like actually getting them to like really hitting them when when the timing is right uh and getting them into the pipelines and then during the during the processes you know being about you know inspiring and you know really showing core values and also as you said having very clear expectations uh um, yeah Super points. if i may jump in then um you you um you touched on something which has been a really key observation for me sort of learning to recruit effectively in sweden over the years and that's involving people mm -hmm. people a lot, a lot more there is a very strong consensus driven culture here in sweden and i think as a recruiter in order to be successful you must involve the interviewers uh, the hiring manager quite heavily in your decision making process and in, in, in terms of how you're sourcing and stuff even if it's just a case of hey just to let you know this is how i intend to do things um mm. but let's say also involve the target team that you're recruiting into 
um, both for the candidate and for the team, because they they won't like being left out of those decisions. If it's mm. just so, yes, last week we made an offer and someone new will be joining the team shortly. Uh, that that doesn't usually go down very well. Um, people are very excluded. So I think it's really important to involve people as much as you as you possibly can, which means the process takes typically a bit longer. But when you arrive at a decision, it's an aligned decision that everyone's on board with. And I think that in the long term, you have a healthier culture. So just to sort of um, keep a true caller, we had uh, we have we currently have uh, the final in the final stages of the uh, recruitment process. We have something called hiring committee. Uh, where we basically uh, all the people that are involved in the recruitment process, including recruiters, uh, the talent acquisition partners, uh, together give their opinion as to what they think about this candidate and leave the room with a yes or a no. Uh, so basically, this this makes us ensure that the hiring that we are doing is really good and also um, it's a decision right hiring someone is a decision and it makes the panel and the, uh, the team also feel that yes they have taken this collective decision and then it's like you said sophie that you know uh, also calls for a retention later because then again they're going to have a healthy uh, welcoming on board from onboarding from the team as well and um, and then we also have something called meet and greet. Uh, I would say meet and greet is that entire team meets the person that the final candidate that we would like to give an offer. So this is a kind of, a, 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 you know, the meet and greet is a meeting that basically the candidate gets to meet the entire team and the team gets to meet the new uh, teammate, right? So where it's it's even more makes the candidate strongly, uh, uh, you know, motivating him to stick with our offer or with the process that he with us. So I think this is also working great for us. And also, uh, while we gather references, this we we make sure that we do these steps simultaneously while we are gathering references, because usually references take a two days or sometimes even a week, because we don't know the availability of the other person. So mm -hmm. these steps kind of makes, you know, keeps the candidate in engaged with us continuously. And by then we also complete the process. So this is something that is actually uh, working for us quite well, I would say, uh, since you spoke about, uh, you know, uh, the collective decision of the entire team. <laughs> cool. It's very interesting. Can I can I just ask one thing? Because I feel like we've been agreeing on lots of things. So maybe it would be good if we could disagree <laughs> on something, and not just for the purpose of it. Because I, I think there sometimes comes a point in seeking consensus when you have we have too many people involved they cannot come to an agreement and then there needs to be a very clear decision maker a sort of disagree and agree uh, disagree and commit approach like i hear that you're disagreeing mm. with me i'm going to take this decision anyway thanks for mm. i mean how do you how do you sort of balance that out deep you mentioned that the hiring committees i guess they yes. can work sometimes um, they can't. No, I mean, I completely agree that there have been a cases where, uh, you know, uh, different mindset and opinions, even though uh, they have given a go in the interview, but in the end, but I think at end of the day, it's the hiring manager uh, who basically needs to understand. Uh, uh, I, I mean, the hiring managers need to understand what they're looking from the candidate, right? In a more bigger perspective, because he would, the, the hiring manager would know uh, what is the vision that we have, right? But then when it comes to uh, the panel, they're more about the technical standards and stuff like that. So I think there we should come onto a somewhere, a common stand that yes, uh, we don't compromise on the quality, 
because it's even more worse uh, to hire a wrong person. Uh, and, you know, so I think if there is a situation where we cannot compromise on some small, on an even ground, then I think it's better to let go that hiring rather than hiring, because this is going to hit us back in the later. So, uh, so it's more like, I think, we have to discuss and come to a conclusion that yes, it is a yes or a no. Um, of course, there will be a discussion, there will be some sort of, uh, uh, you know, different opinions. But end of the day, that's the point. That's the point of the hiring committee is what I would say. We want these conversations to come up before we hire someone. We want these discussions to happen before we hire someone. So mm -hmm. the old idea is that. And if it is not a clear go, then I think it's not it's it's better to let go than going for a yes. Mm. Yeah, and I and I can just second that, you know, like since we're having you're you're calling it hiring committee, we're calling it decision meeting. I guess it's the same. Uh, it sounds like the same type of forum. But as you say, I would say when we are having those, um, we're really like encouraging people to take up, you know, like questions or, you know, like any questions marks, any questions mark overall, you know, just so that we can discuss those because like sometimes, you know, even though somebody has a question mark about a candidate or anything like that, you know, like some sometimes um, another person can really, you know, answer it like, you know, maybe they have seen stuff that that person haven't um, or, you know, like, could that be something that we could work with, you know, like, you know, and just to have that with us, you know, in the in the onboarding or, you know, like just over time, you know, in case it's maybe, I don't know, like technical parts or the communication or like, you know, whatever. And also, I think be very clear towards um, to, I think it also helps with being very clear towards the candidate and like, you know, maybe what you're offering, like, why are you offering that as well? Uh, so, um, but I would say that that type, those types of forums, of course, they, they create, like a lot of times they really create discussion, uh, mm -hmm. you know, in case it's not a, like, you know, I said harder, like really go and everybody's like, yeah, hire this person now, mm -hmm. you know, uh, but, but I do think that that is also one of the good parts, you know, because having clear discussions about you know, like a, what we have, uh, what we have seen and, you know, like what we have uh, experienced uh, truly also helps us in align, you know, like, with like, you know, what we are looking for. And of course, you've had those discussions from before. Otherwise, you would not have written the job ad or, you know, like created this uh, this role in the first place. Yes. But, you know, just align about, you know, why we are bringing the person in um, and also raising question marks in case you have. Sometimes we also go with providing more insights about the market, like how difficult is it and how 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 is it going to impact us not having anyone than having a junior, right? So I think all these factors also are quite important or I mean, it's it's more to give an understanding, like you said, that everybody have to do a trade off somewhere. So is this a trade off that's worth it? Or is it a trade-off that we can take it at this point of a time? Or is it going to take more time of a team on onboarding rather than giving a support? So I think these are the factors that where basically all the um, uh, people involved in the process are going to discuss and then come to a conclusion, yes, this is going to be quite expensive hire or this because this is going to take more time consuming hire. I think it's better to let go and then go for, uh, wait for another best candidate or, you know. So this is more like, uh, everybody is accepting the risks that is coming in hiring this person or the benefits that that's coming from hiring this person, which again, we are preparing the team what to expect. So um, so I think that 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 
actually plays quite an important role. And of course, sometimes it happens that it could be some quite frustrating for talent acquisition partners who work so much hard to find a candidate and then in the end they get rejected or they decline our offer, right? So in those cases, I always keep the data on my side to put the facts right in front of them that you know what this is what we did this is what we into this many candidates we interviewed and that 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 this is how the market is what we are looking for maybe doesn't exist in the market or mm -hmm. it's hard to find right so those facts also will help uh, the team to take a decision uh, so you know I, I think these things quite help has anyone else got any other final thoughts I just wanted to say that these are really good insights and I'm uh, very happy that I think we all have a very similar approach that we put candidates first. Uh, I really like Dipti when you started talking about motivation, uh, about that we actually have to ask people what they want to do and how want to how they want to develop in the company, what they want to bring in the into the company, what kind of impact they want to have. Uh, so I think like anticipating their needs and wishes is very important because after all, it's actually a 50-50% uh, match, right? So we have to create the process to actually, uh, so they have the possibility to get to know us as a company. Um, so of course we want to get to know them as well. So for instance, in working group two, we have our engineers involved in the technical um, interviews. So then a hiring manager, for instance, and the tech lead and a team member of the team uh, they would they would work with in the future. So they get to have uh, the whole perspective, the whole picture of the company. Um, we used to also uh, offer a uh, meet and greet with our CEO or the CTO to talk about the vision and uh, the business part, for instance. And this is something that if they want to, they can still have the possibility of having that sort of meeting. Um, so thank you so much for sharing the, the insights. I think we, we all understand that the candidates go uh, first. Yeah. Yeah, sure. If we if we have a couple of minutes, I'd love to ask a follow up question on something DT mentioned because I, I think it's um an interesting topic and 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 people will have different opinions, which is awesome. References taking. <laughs> yes or no? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I can actually jump on that one. Uh, so, like, I've been part of uh, like companies where we have taken references and companies where we haven't. Uh, you know, so had both, and I do I do find values in um, in that. I would say that you know, like here the approach here at Maltam, the approach has been you know like, yeah, we have been taking references since we are doing that uh, with like all of our different employees, and we don't want like we want to have this you know kind of like you know. Um, same approach for all of the employees and not really make a difference since we're having like we're a huge company we're having like around 2400 employees and we're having like a lot of these like you know office people but then we're also having like all of these pickers and the drivers and the people that are really like you know making our warehouse warehouses work uh so we're taking references for all of them and want to have you know like the kind of same approach um, with that said, uh, we have started to do that in a digital way. So we are taking references through uh, a digital platform instead of actually calling them because as Defty said, I mean, like that can be very time consuming. Um, and then in the meantime, we are, you know, always preparing uh, the offer and everything. So, you know, like when, when we're getting the references, uh, we can just, you know, basically push the, the button. 
Um, so usually for us, we have um, a, a time, it usually takes around 13 to 17 hours to get our references, which I believe is quite fast. It's a lot faster than uh, a year back when we, when we still uh, did it manually. Uh, so I would say, you know, uh, just to, you know, kind of get rid of that kind of like, you know, uh, that those days we felt were kind of unnecessary. We just kind of just automated uh, the whole part of it. Uh, yeah. So for instance, we don't do the, we don't do references. We, we trust our interviewers that uh, they do the good job and uh, people, we try to basically create a space for them to share everything, what they think they should bring to the table. So for instance, if we have a recruitment process that consists of three or four meetings, we trust our interviewers that they will catch if there is something wrong, for instance, or if there is something fishy. So we've never really seen the value in bringing the references into the recruitment process. Uh, I think if someone brought the references, we uh, we might just have a look if it's written, but we wouldn't contact any previous employers. Uh, but that said, we also use the referrals, right? And that is kind of a direct reference um, mm -hmm. if someone is bringing a, a contact to us. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. Yeah, uh, when it comes to references, um, uh, I would say that in my entire career, it has never been that the references were negative. <laughs> They've always been positive. So uh, I don't know, maybe I was fortunate for that or I don't know, is that how you guys have experienced as well? Uh, but yes, uh, this is a kind of a more a traditional process, I would say, uh, taking references. Uh, I, I mean, I still, um, uh, but at, at one, but I don't know if there is uh, any negative that I'm going to get about the candidate, but at least I'm sure that if someone is not giving enough references, then that's a kind of a red flag. Uh, is something that I have noticed a couple of times. So uh, because then what is that? What is that? You know, especially when you're hiring um, from from you know throughout the globe, and then you know it's good to have references in terms of uh, uh, and a true caller. Uh, references is usually taken care, taken by the managers, not the recruiters. That's because they want to understand. Uh, about the candidate more in detail on everyday basis, like in terms of ways of working, communication, or is there any tips to the uh, the, uh, the new manager from the previous manager? Uh, for example, sometimes uh, I get to hear from some of the previous managers that, you know, uh, this candidate is a kind of a person that actually requires sometimes a push, you know, or someone that doesn't want, doesn't like, uh, you know, to get the most. What does that? What are your tips to get the most out of from this candidate? So this mm. is the kind of a questions that we cover in the references, which are actually positive and helpful. And uh, uh, I think it's kind of helps for the manager to plan uh, the onboarding and how do we basically communicate with this new joinee. So uh, in those sort of senses, then I think it really uh, helpful. Uh, but uh, like I said, again, um, I have never encountered any negative references so far. Mm. Yeah. Super interesting. It's because they're given by the candidate, right? Exactly. Yeah. Given by the candidate, I think there's a really big difference, like all three of you have mentioned, between using them as decision-making uh, decision criteria, if the negatives are bad, if the references are bad, can we reject this person, versus mm -hmm. how can I set this person up for success? 
And I think if you ask the candidate, can you give me the name and contact details of two people you've worked with in the past, 99% of the time they'll be positive. You know, but yeah. I think on the flip side, if you as a hiring manager or recruiter say, we would like to speak to your manager from this company and this company, would that be okay with you? Um, and sometimes it's a red flag if it's like, no, I don't want you to call my manager from this company. And, that, and I think that that can happen. So if it's a bit more controlled by the hiring manager, yeah. mm -hmm. get more value from it. But again, uh, Marietta, I think you said, and I think it's very awesome, by the way, that you don't, <laughs> that you trust the interview process because Amazing. that's the purpose. That is the purpose. Mm. If we run three or four structured interviews that are 60 minutes long, for example, okay. do we really need to phone two other people we have no previous knowledge of mm. and ask their opinion? And if so, are we going to reject this candidate based on any of those conversations? And if so, what's the point of this interview process? So Absolutely. Super, super interesting ideas. Thank you. Sharing. Yeah, we could probably have a whole like you know episode just around that, right? <laughs> <laughs> that could be the second episode. <laughs> nice. I think we'll leave that there then. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I just want to take this opportunity to thank Deepti, Marietta, Danny, and Sophie for providing your insights into the topic and thank you all to the listeners as well. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at abby.stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.